What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, 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 the San Francisco 49ers, they have turned things around. Two consecutive wins. They got one this weekend over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Me and my guy, Samir, we're here to break it down. The big news, Talano Funga's injury, and a major game this Thursday against the Seattle Seahawks. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's been a minute, but I got my guy Sunil back with us. We got a fun show going. How you doing, my man? Doing well, man. I'm 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 not used to this new setup. We on a new platform. You got a new intro, like clutch jeans. I I always thought that's Marco. Shout out to Marco for uh, getting married today. Um, yeah, man. It's a lot of new changes. It feels like it's been forever since we uh since we did a show together, but I'm glad we were able to get one in before the holidays. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's the holidays. So everybody out there, happy Thanksgiving to you guys this week. I mean, you know, it's a nice time to come home. I am back in the Bay area for a little bit of time, which is a good sign, but Sunil gotta ask you, man. I mean, Niners, you know, they turn things around. How'd you feel about the victory this past weekend? Yeah, I think it was a solid victory. I think, um, you got to see some – so the one thing I'm looking for each game is, you know, am I seeing improvement? Am I seeing progress? Uh, are there things that uh, are going to lead to sustainable success, especially when it comes time for the playoffs and ultimately the Super Bowl? And I think that we saw some steps uh, – the team take some steps further – into the into that uh realm of especially on the defensive side right they're getting back to turning the ball over we're starting to see these pressures actually turn into sacks um i think that you know i've been highly critical of steve wilkes and some of his scheme um scheming especially through that three game uh loss and i think that he's you know ever since he moved down to the field i think that he's simplified um, the rushing and, and simplified some of those defensive schemes to allow his talent to just go play. I think obviously Chase Young has been a, a huge addition that has led to, I think, the whole defensive line playing better. I mean, Ark Armstead is, you know, lead getting sacks, obviously Bosa, Hargrave. So um, to me, especially on that defensive side, it looks like they're going back to being elite. And, on, and offensively, you're starting to see the emergence of Brandon Ayuk. I know you and me uh, in the offseason really believe that this is going to be another breakout season for Ayuk, and we're starting to see 
how dominant he could be when given opportunities. I like seeing the combination between uh, Brock Purdy and Kittle starting to pick up as well. Um, and obviously CMC is CMC still running hard, still being elusive. And even a guy like Elijah Mitchell, uh, Rohan, who I know, um, you know, Grant always, always makes a comment that ends up, you know, being a storyline in the game. And, you know, he, he was questioning whether Elijah Mitchell was the right number two back, but he averaged six yards per carry in that game. And then obviously Debo being Debo, even though he didn't have a, a huge game, obviously his presence um, on the field, uh, you know, led to a lot of success. So I think that, I think, you know, a two touchdown victory over a team that could possibly be a playoff team, um, you know, and, and, and against a very solid defense. To me, it was a solid victory. And like I said, uh, the things that I was looking for, I, I saw a lot of those things um, in the game. So overall, thumbs up. I agree with a lot of points you make. I mean, you, you talk about the different ways the 49ers were struggling before and the way that they've been able to translate. One of the main things overall I thought was, uh, you know, offensively, the little things. Kyle Shanahan said how in the first five weeks the team was – going explosive play after explosive play. So the mistakes that they made didn't really hurt them as much, whereas in the three losses, it did hurt them. And then you talk about the second half of, you know, uh, the the kind of losses, you talk about the way that they lost. I mean, they were close games, just not being able to finish out close games. Then in the transition, you see the offense going back to basics. You see the run game starting to materialize again. Christian McCaffrey seeming like he's healthier Trent Williams back in the fold. So you see the run game materializing, and as a result, you're seeing really effective work in the passing game. Brock Purdy's compiled, you know, a couple of strong games so far. It's been a good, good start to the second half for the 49ers on the offensive end, but the defensive end was the main talking point. I mean, the 49ers, you talk about Steve Wilkes and the issues that were outlined with the scheme, and yeah, those were certain issues. I thought execution was a big issue as well. You talk about linebacker play, a bunch of missed tackles and things like that. I thought that, you know, there was a little bit of a drop-off in, in, in play, not talent, but play. But yeah, Chase Young, defensive line, I think it's breaking out truly in the second half of the season. Six sacks in each of the last two games, 38 pressures. Yeah, I'm, I'm not wrong. 38 pressures against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Armstead with 12. It just seems like this team is kind of going back in this form. The defensive line is working. And you see also the coverage. I mean, I thought I, I named Traverius Ward prior to this past game as the most underrated player on this team uh, on, on the defense. And I think that that came to fruition. Ward had a good game. The coverage, you know, has been better with Amber Thomas back in the fold. So I think there are a lot of moving parts for the 49ers. I think they're definitely trending in the right direction, the direction that you anticipated after the 5-0 and start. So a lot of good coming out of this Buccaneers game. Let's talk maybe very slightly what do you think the 49ers still need to improve on? So I think it's I think ultimately the like Ward and Lenore are you know really really guys that I think I would be confident um, depending on week after week. Like even though they sometimes are, you know the, the cornerback position I think obviously after quarterback is the most difficult position because you can you can be ninety nine percent doing all the right things. And then that 1% you get burnt for, for a big play. And, you know, all the, all, all the attention is on you for the, the wrong reasons. And <clears throat> Lenore and Ward have both been extremely stout, bend, not break. You know, they, I think Lenore's ranked number one in the league for the amount of uh, snaps that he's done without giving up a touchdown. Uh, I just read a stat like that uh, on him. So to me, those two guys are stellar and while they're in there is great. The depth after that is where I think Rohan is the biggest question mark. I think Ambry Thomas has been a pleasant surprise. He's been my guy since the draft, and he's been, you know, I've been clowned for being as high on Ambry Thomas as I have been on it. You know, I, um, better late than never, right? So uh, he he's played and, and played very, very well coming in. And I think, you know, that also is, a, you know, a thing I think Steve Wilkes should get credited for he was really high on Isaiah Oliver Isaiah Oliver was um you know hurting this defense and he finally had the courage to bench him and uh you know move Ambry Thomas in move Lenore inside on those nickel packages and I think that's been uh, a huge deal now 
we did see um was it ward that got injured like right at the end of the game or, or something like one of the corners got injured i forget if it was a ward or tom thomas and then isaiah oliver had to come in they put him in a blitz versus having him in coverage which i think was a, a smart move by wilkes but to me that's the biggest question rohan is depth behind you know the two or three corners that we have i, I trust ward i trust uh lenore Thomas is playing well, but still we've also seen him not play well in, in previous seasons and previous games. So can Samuel Womack come back and make an impact? Can, you know, Daryl Luter, can he come back and make make an impact? Are we going to have the depth in the cornerback position? And, you know, even, you know, it's in the title, even in the, you know, safety positions, are we, do we have enough depth in the secondary? Rohan, I think to me is the biggest question mark. And I think could, you know, play a role moving forward, especially when we go up against, you know, these high power uh, offenses with the with the great receivers that we're going to go, go up against. And I think that when we talk about corner depth, cornerback depth, that's intriguing because I feel like the 49ers, they love to rely on some of these younger guys. Right. I mean, you had Amber Thomas in the fold, Darrell Luter, Sam Womack. Those are guys you talk about. Now, I do question exactly how much of an impact they, they could make just because of the way that they're coming back of injury. My dark horse, if anybody were to make an impact, would be Terrell Luter. I think he's a good fit. I think he was a Wilkes pick in the draft. I think he's a good fit. I think his size and his athleticism probably match a little better for the 49ers. And so that's why I think I'd prefer him if you, you were talking about a guy as depth on the outside. But I think the 49ers right now, they're trying to figure things out between Oliver and between Avery Thomas. Right now, it seems they're leaning towards Thomas's way because the matchup of Lenore the slot is the preferential matchup. That's kind of what the 49ers want, and that's what they're getting with solid play on the outside from Avery Thomas. We'll see how the cornerbacks kind of go. Improvements for me, I mean, one thing that's kind of been an issue in the second half of the season, starting from week seven on, has been the red zone. The 49ers were really, really good in the red zone in the first few weeks. First six weeks of the season, they were stellar. I mean, the 49ers still, if you look at statistics, they average four red zone trips a game. That ranks in the top five. And then they're sixth in red zone efficiency at 61.6%. Red zone efficiency meaning how many times you get in the red zone and score a touchdown on those red zone drives. However, since week seven onwards, the 49ers, they've only scored a touchdown on six of their 14 red zone drives. That's 42.9%, and that ranks amongst the bottom of the NFL. They've struggled in the red zone as of late. And, I mean, it's not just one issue that's recurring with their red zone struggles. It's been penalties. Sometimes, you know, that 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 bring you back, that makes it tougher to execute. There are different, different reasons why the 49ers are struggling. But nonetheless, the, the matter of the fact is you aren't executing as well in the red zone right now, and that's kind of hurting your team and scoring seven point, or three points instead of seven. And while it might not matter against certain opponents, against tougher opponents, especially in the playoffs, you want those kind of issues to get solved, uh, you know, to get resolved so that you are maximizing your offensive opportunities. For example, the 49ers this game, they went two of four in the red zone. They scored on five consecutive drives, five. They got 27 points out of those five drives, kicked two field goals, scored two touchdowns, and then obviously the deep bomb to Ayuk, which was out of the red zone. Now, I think the 49ers offense is just destined for success. Why? They are really efficient in between the 20 yards. In, in, in between the 20s. They get to the red zone at a high level. That's why they score or get to the red zone four times a game and why they even score, you know, around 2.4 touchdowns per game in the red zone, which is another top five mark. However, you, you want to maximize these opportunities. You want to be even more efficient, and that's the way the 49ers can consistently get back to the 30-point margin that they were getting to in the first five weeks. Yeah, and I mean, I think sometimes those stats – those stats are true, but also, you know, you mentioned the two of four this this game. I think Trent Williams being out the game or two games that he was out play a big role in that as well because the running game is just not efficient when Trent's not in there, um, which I think affects the, the red zone play as well. And I also think, Rohan, and maybe this is a conspiracy theory. You know, I know a lot of people look at me as a Kyle Shanahan homer. There's been some plays that he's – pulled out of the bag where you're just like they're unguardable right some of the crossing scheme some of the ways he's getting these guys open I have a feeling 
that Kyle Shanahan is holding back a lot of these red zone plays because there's certain plays where you're just like, why don't you just run that all the time? Like that could be perfect in the red zone. I forget what play it was, but it was like a cross. It was a, I think it was a, a, a play that they scored on where somehow uh, Christian McCaffrey was like just wide open in, in the end zone because they they like, I think if I'm remembering right, he was in motion. He was veering a little bit to the left and then he cut across to the right. And because of that, the linebacker that was guarding him had to go all the way across the field, ran into some players. So it left Christian McCaffrey wide open. I do think that when it comes time, uh, playoff time, Rowan, or in these big games against the Eagles in, in these big games against the, um, you know, the, the Ravens, I think he gets deeper in his bag. And I think these teams that he feels like he could beat without going deep into his bag. I think he's saving it for the teams that he needs to use it against it. This is all feelings, no facts. It just seems like there's things that he's been able to do this season where you're just like, where did that come from? You know, like I, I, that, that one play of with Kittle where he's like knew it was a touchdown even before Kittle even caught the ball. He's turned around celebrating um, the play. It's like things like that where it's just like, he has another level that he could dig into that I think he's kind of just saving for the right moment. So I do expect the red zone play to get better. I do expect them. I mean, they scored 27. That's a field goal away from 30. Like I think they're back on track as far as the offense and the defense. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, Trent Williams, I think plays a big role. I think Feliciano needs to get a lot of credit for his play on the offensive line as well, Rohan. And it's going to be interesting. I don't know if we're discussing it, but uh, Burford is a little bit injured and we don't know if he's going to play. So, um, you know, I read a report that Feliciano is practicing both at left guard and right guard because Aaron Banks has a possibility to play this Thursday. So I don't know if it's in the questions, but I am intrigued to hear what you feel like the optimal offensive line for the 49ers is moving forward. Yeah, I don't know how you don't include John Feliciano kind of in the top five now, or at least in a part of the rotation, because he has been playing well. And this was a question that I kind of, you know, was starting to ask prior to the injury to Aaron Banks, because for being honest, Spencer Burford's play has not been up to par this year. It's not like he's necessarily regressed. It's just he hasn't improved, which is what you were hoping for based on his rookie year. There have been some issues overall, and so you were, you're wondering, is there going to be a change? And I think that they're, you know, I think the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan hinted at it even before the Banks injury. They were considering potentially a rotation at right guard, and I think that that's something that they could look to explore as they try and get, you know, into the second half of the season once Banks gets back from injury. So I, I do think that Feliciano likely has to play a role. We'll see how extensive that role is, whether it's 100% as a starter or, you know, in a timeshare at right guard with Spencer Burford. What, what would be your ideal offensive line with the grouping that we have right now? Now, personally, I am not a fan of rotating offensive linemen. I think that that's the one position I'm not a big fan of disrupting the continuity with, which is why my personal, you know, optimal offensive line at the moment would likely be Feliciano full-time at right guard and Spencer Burford as the depth offensive lineman off the bench. I think that that's the most optimal given the situation in that you can't have players really consistently changing positions. And I, so that's kind of where I'm leaning you to. But I think that honestly, the whole right side right now is a bit of a question mark. Jake Brendel's been up and down this year. I wasn't a big fan of him being re-signed. There were guys that I preferred in the free agent market, Garrett Bradbury, Bradley Bozeman, different guys that you could have had for similar costs. The 49ers brought back Brendel and I think it's kind of, you know, hurting them a little bit. I am not, it's not that I'm not a big fan. Well, I'm not of Colton McKivitz. I, I don't think that he's been, you know, great. And I think that the issues you see back in week one are recurring in week 10, in week eight. And that's the main issue. It's that the, when you, when you hope a guy gets in as a starter, you're hoping that there's some form of steady improvement throughout the, you know, throughout the week. I think that's something that you haven't really seen from Colton McKivitz. That's why I'm not a big fan of him. And I don't know if, especially, I don't think he's the solution going forward. Burford as well, not, you know, I, I think there, there's been up and down play. So I'd say my alignment, given it's the middle of the season, you can't really have wholesale changes, is just 
flipping Burford in for Felicia. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think Williams Banks, you know, solidifies that left side. I think that's the best left side that we can have with what, what we got on the roster. Obviously, Brendel's going to stay there. I would have same thing that you said, right guard be Feliciano um, as the starter and full-time starter. And I wouldn't mind them competing with Burford and McKivitz at right tackle and start having that as a competition and, and seeing which one of those, you know, ends up winning the the position. Because I think, like you mentioned, I think both of those players ultimately get replaced through the draft, um, you know, that right tackle position. So, uh, yeah, that's that's who I think they, they move forward with because ultimately I think I was, you know, I'm always, I never really worried about the offensive line because I think that, you know, they ultimately play decent, but this offensive line has been subpar even to, you know, my conservative standards of, of how good they could be. Right. So I think that Feliciano is a must. I think he's been solid. Obviously Banks has been solid. Trent Williams has been solid. So if you can get at least 60% of that line to where you just trust it, you can make up for, you know, the, the weaknesses that are there whether it be center, up and down center player, up and down right tackle play. No, I agree. And I think that that's a change the 49ers will have to experiment with. I don't know if Banks is going to be back this week, but another issue is Burford right now is questionable for the week, given it's a Thursday week. So You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. The 49ers don't have just one guard decision. They have two right now that they might have to make. And you really don't want both of your guards to miss this game. So we'll hope at least one of the starters, presumed starters in Banks and Burford, is healthy so that you can have, you know, five guys that you at least have trusted throughout the year to play. And I would hope Banks over Burford. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's talk about, though, the major news. Talano Hufanga is out for the year with a torn ACL. Don't know whether he'll be back in week one. Talk to me about the injury, what it means for the 49ers. Brutal, right? I mean, obviously, when you're losing an all-pro talent like Kufunga, it's going to make an impact, especially on the way he, you know, tore it. Obviously, it's embarrassing play, to say the least. But, um, but yeah, I think he's going to be missed not only for his ability, you know, his just – his energy, I think, is going to be something that's missed. Uh, obviously, he's very good at, you know, um, disrupting and being around the ball and things like that. 
So definitely a loss, you know, prayers up for Hufanga. Hopefully, you know, it's a speedy recovery. Obviously, ACL um, injury is tough. Unfortunately, we see way too many of them in the NFL. But we also see a lot of people recover and still be able to, you know, have long careers even after those. So, um, you know, obviously now he's just recovery, have this if you need the surgery and just healing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you mentioned it in your tweet. The 49ers have, you know, they drafted their first draft pick this year was uh, a safety. Um, Jair Brown, who, like Kufunga, is known for his ability to turn over the ball. And we saw it in his first game, be around the ball to get an interception. Now, there were some times where he was a little bit shaky. There were some times where he made the made plays, right? So I think in the short amount of time we saw you know, Jair Brown, you see that, okay, there is an upside there. But there are gonna there is gonna be a learning curve as well. So to me, um, I look at I look at that and I say, okay, there's a possibility he can be uh, efficient and be exactly what we need. But it's it's gonna be up to him now to get mentally in that place where he is the starter and he has to understand that uh, if I'm a quarterback, that's where I think the weakest link is. And, I'm, and he's going to get a lot of opportunity to show if he could play and, and not. And I think for me, Rohan, the weakness that I saw is the weakness that even Hufunga had, right? And it's going to be in coverage, right? We saw that he's not the fastest guy. Um, you know, he could get out of position. And, uh, you know, he, he, he ended up, you know, getting burnt uh, in, in one of those plays. But then just like Hufunga, he has the, the knack of being around the ball and, and you know, getting interceptions. That was what he was known for in college. So it's going to be interesting because I think they have similar skill sets. I think Hufunga might be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to tackling and things like that. But as far as you know, being weak in coverage, Hufunga also was weak in coverage. But being a disruptor, Jair Brown is, is, is a disruptor as well, can turn over the ball, which very similar to what Hufunga brought to the game as well. I agree. And I mean, when you talk about the difference between Jair Brown and Tano Funga, I mean, when we were breaking them down, you know, early on in the season, we, we thought that they might be similar players in a way. But Hufunga, right, we've seen some of the issues over the past few weeks. Tackling issues have been there, but also coverage issues have been there. And that's question, you know, how valuable Hufunga is. He's still a very good player. But Jair Brown, now you're talking about a rookie going into the situation. You're right. He's not, you know, an elite level athlete. He's more of an instinctual player. And we, we saw the instincts, you know, come out. He played the hands of Mike Evans on that fourth and four, a really nice play in the red zone. And then obviously being in the right place at the right time for the interception. Also, you know, uh, good positioning on the play right before that in the red zone where he was able to, you know, his presence helped uh, Kate Otten and him bobbling that pass in completion leading to the fourth down. So, you know, you see the instincts. You are right about how, Jair Brown's athleticism will translate to this defense and also how quickly those instincts will kick in because this is week one. You need that to be on a consistent basis and you want teams not to target, you know, Jair Brown on a regular basis. The first play Jair Brown was in or the, one of the first plays, he, he gave up a 41 yard catch to Rakeem Jarrett, right? Right up the middle of the scene, just was caught flat footed there. So there are certain things that you do hope to work on, but nonetheless, a promising debut for him. Um, as for this question here, does he still need surgery? This is about Hufanga on the other knee injury from last year. It's unsure. I don't know if they're going to go for surgery on that knee. He, he's been playing with the Baker cyst all year. Um, it's unclear whether surgery was needed. That's something they were going to figure out in the offseason. So Hufanga has a, you know, a, a, a recovery for sure to go. But it's a crushing loss for the 49ers because not only was Hufanga you know, a player on the field, he was just an energy guy. One of those guys that brought that youthful energy to the team, a team that you know has relied on energy in the past. That's kind of what Hufunga or uh, you're missing in Hufunga. He's a guy also with great work ethic. We've seen him consistently out there in training camp. We we see them. We we've seen him work the way he's worked, and so you do hope that that recovery goes well. He's ready for 2024. It's unfortunate because this was the first year he was eligible for a contract extension. I honestly I don't think the 49ers were going to give him a contract extension, but First year he was eligible. Eligible now. Next year he goes into a contract year, coming off an injury. 
a major injury in that trying to perform himself. So unfortunate for him. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about safeties, got to give a lot of props to Tayshawn Gibson. Um, he's, I think, been you, – you mentioned Ward being the underrated player on the defense. I would argue that it's Gibson, the underrated player on the defense, as far as he's been steadfast there. You know, this is he's a one-year guy. Um, you know, he was thinking about retirement, decided to come back. Where would we be without Gibson back there at safety? I think he's, you know, saved some plays. I think he's played amazing. Um, and I wonder now with Hufunga out, right? Obviously, we have George Odom that could come in. I guess he would be the next man up after Brown. But I wonder, Rohan, as far as needing depth, right, and, and bringing somebody uh, in onto the team, they probably have some guys on the um, – practice squad that could be there but an old an old name oldie but a goodie jaquaski tarts out there unsigned um obviously he's not on anybody's roster but what would be your level of interest on a guy like jaquaski tart being brought, brought back onto the roster um knowing the system and you know being familiar with this team um and needing needing a guy in that specific position now, I was a Jaquaski Tart proponent back, you know, when he was initially cut from the 49ers, went to the Eagles on the practice squad, cut there. I was a proponent for him. I don't think he's the answer, though. He's too old at this stage. He hasn't played competitive football in two years, and I just don't know if he's the answer overall for the 49ers. Now, it's intriguing you say that because the 49ers seem like they're interested in one of their former veterans who has been injury-prone as well, and that is Jason Barrett at cornerback. So maybe, you know, they throw a call out there. I don't know if Chikwaski Tart's the answer. I'd prefer a guy like Taylor Hawkins, a younger guy who, while he hasn't had NFL experience, has, you know, flashed in the times that he's been on the field in training camp and the preseason and things like that. And I think he's a guy who the 49ers could potentially see be a part of their future rotation at safety. George Odom's a guy they trust. I think he'll be the first line up as well, uh, first man up as well in the rotation behind Brown. And you don't really expect the rotation at safety much either. But... As for safety depth, probably lean away against Chikoski Tart. Let me get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would tend to go along the side of you as well. I mean, it's kind of how I feel about Jason Verrett as well. You know, uh, I love Verrett. He's one of my favorite players. But if D'Amico Ryans is letting him go, even though they need the same help in the secondary – you know, you got to wonder how much is left in the tank there. And Jaquaski Tart, you look at the team that cut him, the Eagles, they need help in, in, in safety, and they cut him. So it's like, all right, well, you know, that's also a formidable defense, well-coached team. If they're not seeing that this player can help them, what's really left in the tank? So I think it's an intriguing name just because, you know, Jaquaski Tart has been a part of great defenses here with the 49ers and, and played well as a safety for them. But uh, I, I tend to agree with you. We probably need to go with somebody younger um, versus, you know, somebody with the experience of Tart. Yeah, I, that's that's probably the direction that I probably believe the 49ers will go in if they sign, you know, an additional safety you know, on top of the guys that they currently have on the practice squad and on their active roster. I do like the question, though. I answered it myself. I said no. I don't think the 49ers will re-sign Talano Hufanga. I didn't even think they were going to prior to the injury. Now, though, that the injury is there, do you think the 49ers will re-sign Talano Hufanga? Likely not this year, but the, at the end of next year, given that his price might decrease. So you're you're you were saying they would they wouldn't re-sign Huff even if he was healthy, even after his contract is up. You think they let they would let him walk? I do. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I, I think they would resign Huff. And the reason for that is I don't think they want to remake a whole safety, um, which they would have to do because Gibson is going to be gone. Um, and they already let go of uh, Jimmy Ward the year before. I don't think that they just want to start brand new um, with, you know, Brown and some other person insert some other person that just isn't a, part of the 49er culture they usually tend not to do that like start completely from scratch um at any level of the defense so that would be unique that would be interesting if they would let 
Huff walk because at that point he would probably be the elder statesman in that in that secondary along with you know Lenore and and Ward. So I think they would resign him. I I, I still think you know now obviously based off of he has been injury prone in college and now with the ACL injury you got to see if uh, you know how he comes back from the injury. But to me he's the right type of character that the 49ers look for. He's, you know, the right type of energy that the 49ers look for. It's you can't ignore the fact that the 49ers have been way more uh, prone to intercept the ball since Ufunga has been back there, more disruptive. Um, so I think they would resign him just for all of those reasons. I think that those are good reasons. And to me, here's the reason that I say I just don't think the 49ers value the safety position as much as other teams. And we've seen that in the way that they've distributed capital. I know Jair Brown was their first pick of the draft, but he was a third-round pick at safety. They don't usually tend to go with the safety in the first two rounds. Hufanga, if you look at him, he was a sixth-round pick. They don't divert much capital to the safety position. Jimmy Ward's a great example. They weren't going to pay top money for Jimmy Ward. They wanted to pay him nickel corner money rather than safety money. Just because they prefer to allocate their resources defensively in other positions, they value corner more. They value uh, defensive line more. And so they also clearly value linebacker more. Safety is their least valuable position. I mean, they got other players at the positions, and I think that they believe that they'll probably be able to replenish that safety value in the draft by the time Talano Hufanga is contract uh, you know, extension eligible. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a tag candidate, an eventual trade candidate in the year that he ends up being a free agent. I do think that this question is intriguing in terms of a discount. Do you think Huff's going to come at? I don't know if Talano Hufanga will come at a discount just because you don't know how he'll play next year. I think next year's play is going to be extremely important in the way his contract negotiations go because if he's injury if he's injury free and he plays at the level he played in the past, I think he can get top safety level money as a young player. He's pretty young still. I'm pretty sure he's only 24 years old or something mm -hmm. like that. He'll enter free agency by his age 26 season. So I think that, you know, it's a good it's a good sign for Hufanga. He's still young. He's still got potential to make that contract. I think it becomes cheaper in that sense, potentially, if he doesn't return to his full, you know, to his full level. But I don't think the 49ers are going to shell out money for a safety. I think they'd prefer to replenish that value. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in the draft by acquiring capital for Hufanga, but also potentially drafting a guy in one of the upper rounds or even in the middle round. I think that that's something that a direction that they can go at. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess I'd push back a little bit because I, even though they haven't um, maybe given up resources and paid top dollar for that position, it does seem like they do like continuity at that position. Ward and Tart were the safeties for, it seems like, it feels like the last 10 years before this new wave of, of safeties came in, right? Um, so they were back there for at least, you know, three years, um, just those two. Then, you know, Gibson was there last year in replacement of Tart when Gibson was, you know, Gibson could have walked. They coaxed him to come back because they wanted that continuity there um, with Hufunga. I don't know. I, I I guess I would wonder. I, I would push back and be like, when have they started brand new at safety without some overlap of continuity there? To me, I can't think of a time where they were just everybody was brand new. Even with Jair Brown, like they didn't give him any playing time till an injury. So I think that he was going to replace Gibson. They would have Hufunga there, and you know there would be that continuity there then. If they don't, if they let Hufunga walk, it would be kind of like blank slate, which I I would contend they haven't done at any position really in on defense. I think that's a fair argument. I, I I do think that's a fair argument. But when you look at it, I think also a reason for the continuity is because it's been because of how cheap 
their safety talent has been. You talk about Ward and you talk about Jokowski Tart. It's because they got him for cheap. I mean, they were willing to move on earlier, but Jimmy Ward himself said he took a pay cut to stay with the 49ers in 2020. He got paid, I think it was three years, $28 million, and that might seem like top money, but at the time when safeties were making 12-13, and that's what Ward expected because 2020 and 21 were his best years of his career. I think that, you know, when you look at the the, the way that they've paid, it, it depends. It truly depends on if Hufanga will come for cheaper than you expect. If he does, I don't think the 49ers are going to move on. But Jair Brown is going to be a starter. He is going to be a starter next year, likely. Hufanga and Brown will be your two starters with Gibson likely to retire, which means that I think that that's probably the continuity block that you have. And you might even draft a safety next year, understanding the influx of capital that you have, not only with a first-round pick and a second-round pick for the first time in a while, but you also do have third-round picks, third-round compensatory picks as well that you can involve. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a guy potentially in the third round, maybe the fourth round, somewhere like that. They could develop and eventually move off of Funga because when you look at the finances, I just don't know if they're going to be able to fit that contract in when they prefer to allocate resources elsewhere. It's a good debate, though. I agree with you, I, 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 and I think we're on the same page. I guess my my answer is I think – they will resign, resign Hufunga on one of the 49er type deals. Um, I don't think, I, I think what you're saying is he's not going to get, you know, top safety money. I don't think the 49ers would give him top safety money. I guess I would expect Hufunga to take a team friendly deal to stay here, but maybe not, you know? Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, especially, you know, if they want to keep a guy like Chase Young, um, you know, guys like Brandon Ayuk. You know, you can't keep everybody. So a guy like Hufunga definitely is lower on that totem pole when it comes to allocating top money. So I agree with you there. You bring up a good topic in BA. Uh, let's talk about him real quick because Brandon Ayuk is having a season for sure. What have you seen from Brandon Ayuk this year that has changed your perception potentially of him? And what do you expect the 49ers to do in the offseason? Nothing has changed my perspective on him because I've always looked at him as a top tier receiver. I think we're just fine. He's finally getting the opportunity with some injuries to, to Debo. And I think more importantly, Rohan, I think that him and Purdy are creating more chemistry there. And if you see like Brandon Ayuk is, he's looking for Ayuk more than he's looking for Debo. Debo's numbers have taken a big step down as you're seeing Brandon Ayuk's numbers go up, and it's because Brandon Ayuk is a pure receiver. He's running every single route to perfection. He's getting space. He can he can moss anybody. He could highball it. He has the speed. The way he blocks is exactly how the 49ers look for their receivers to block. He's the total package. For me, I look at Brandon Ayuk, and I do believe the 49ers will not let him walk. I think that if it's a choice between Ayuk and Debo, they're going to trade Debo to keep Ayuk. And this is my bold statement that I've said. I said this on Jesse's show. Brandon Ayuk will finish a top three receiver in 49ers history. So obviously we have Rice. We have uh, T.O. Somewhere in there is going to be Brandon Ayuk. Probably won't get to number one because Rice is leaps and bounds over every receiver ever. But I could see Brandon Ayuk end up being better a better 49er than T.O. when it's all said and done based off of his skill set and, you know, the offensive system that he's in. High, high praise. And, you know, the funny thing, that's the second time I've said to somebody this week that I'm giving high praise or I'm hearing high praise for Brandon Ayuk. Marco was the, Marco was the first. He uh, said that Brandon Ayuk is the best 49ers receiver since Terrell Owens. I'm sure he's going to say it on his show, but he had high praise, and I can't disagree Brandon Ayuk has been, I mean, I have a personal affinity for him. I think he's way more talented than a lot of people believe. And I've been on the Brandon Ayuk train. I know we talked about it in the offseason. Brandon Ayuk was going to be the guy. I even said, I think, at the beginning of last year, or in the middle of last year, that Ayuk was going to be the guy over Debo Samuel if the 49ers are going to decide. We're seeing how good Ayuk is. Now, the true thing is the 49ers, they probably will not pay two receivers. The good news is they don't have to. One, they can afford to keep Ayuk and Debo Samuel on the books for another year. And I think that, you know, that is a possibility I do believe is going to be exhausted. I think Ayuk and Debo Samuel will be on this team this year and the, or this next year. 
Um, with IU getting an extension, lowering his cap it, and Samuel being on the second to last year of his deal, and then prior to the last year of his deal, would expect Debo Samuel to be moved. But I think IU is the future of the position, and I also think that when you talk about durability, Ayuk has been more durable, and his play style is more durable for the 49ers, and they have a guy who they seem or they feel can replicate what Debo Samuel does in Christian McCaffrey. He's the guy who has kind of dim diminished Debo's role, while also he, Debo is very important. I think he's a very big part of the heart and soul of this team, but Christian McCaffrey's there as well, and if you're talking about al allocating resources efficiently, I think that's the place where you go. Ayuk is elite. He is elite. When you look at the way that he is being uh utilized and how efficient he's been he's extremely efficient with his touches and the 49ers find different ways to use him you can talk about whatever red zone he only has three touchdowns on the year or whatever but if you look at the numbers there's a pure reason for all of those concerns i think Ayuk is in the upper echelon of receivers i think he's reaching that element and i think that that's the reason he's going to get paid a high 20 to 20, likely 25 million. If I'm being honest, I'm, I, I expect him to eclipse what Debo Samuel earned this offseason, and I think that he's on his way to a pro bowl. I agree. And I mean, I was going to ask you, do you think he gets more than Debo? And you answered that. I think that, especially in this style of offense that isn't, you know, it's starting to become more pass heavy, but Kyle Shanahan offenses usually aren't, you know, right, right in the lower end of pass attempts per game because he's a run first type guy but for him to get the production that he gets you know last week of 150 yard game like that's not normal with you know as few reps as he gets or as few targets as he gets compared to guys like cd lamb or justin jefferson who are consistently getting double digit targets for him to still you know be able to have those type of numbers without the opportunities that those other guys have just show if you give him more opportunities what he's going to be able to produce yeah i i mean i agree i think that's important you talk about opportunities i is like 30th in targets this year he's 10th or top 10 in receiving yards not 10 i meant top five in receiving yards after this 158 yard game there's a reason that you see i maybe not being in the top you know top three top five like you talk about other receivers i there in that category and if he isn't, it's because he isn't getting as much volume, specifically in the red zone, where he's fifth in the team in targets in the red zone. He has only four red zone targets this year. Every other skill position player on the 49ers that's important has more. Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and the fourth where he's tied with is Kyle Juszczyk, you know. So there's a reason for the red zone targets. And then all the other targets, I mean, if you look at the statistics, I've written a couple of articles on it, they're elite. They're in the top 10 in almost every major category, explosive plays, yards, yards per catch, yards per route run, you know, different, different elements. There's a reason that I is seen being seen so highly by certain people. It's because the statistics kind of back that up. And out of all of the elite receivers that are there in, in, the, in the thing, he's the most 49er receiver because <laughs> of the blocking aspect. There's probably not, not another not receiver in the, that elite genre that could block better than IU could block. So he's perfect for the 49ers. It would be criminal. Criminal, Rohan. I would. It would be criminal if they don't figure out a way to keep him long-term. Because like I said, you, you mentioned the durability. He has the mentality. He has the attitude. He has the skill set. He should go down. He should never leave the 49ers. Uh, he should be retire a 49er. And end up, you know, right next to Jerry Rice as the second best wide receiver in the 49ers history. That is some high praise, like I said. Can't disagree though. <laughs> to end today's show, though, we gotta talk about the one and only Seahawks. 49ers, they're facing off the Seahawks Thursday night football, Thanksgiving, on the road. They got a good matchup with them. They are currently one game ahead of the Seahawks in the standings. They said at seven and three, Seattle's at six and four. But this game could ultimately flip it. I mean, if Seattle wins their first place, even though, you know, the, the standings might be equal, their first place with the tiebreaker. And so what it means is the two divisional games against Seattle in the next three weeks are extremely important. What do you tell, uh, what do you got to tell me about the Seahawks? Yeah. You know, the Seahawks are coming off of a loss. They are going to be home. So they have that advantage, but this is, you know, Gino's not, Gino's a little bit injured. Right, he had to come out of the game last last week, 
for a couple plays due to a, I think it was a wrist injury. Um, Kenneth Walker, yeah, there's elbow, yeah, elbow, yeah, arm injury. Um, Kenneth Walker is out for this game, so they're going to be relying on Zach Charbonnet, a rookie, um, as their starting running back. So if if the 49ers are going to, you know, Jamal Adams is still out, so this is, you know, the 49ers aren't going to be facing a healthy Seattle team, and you know, obviously, no teams that you know at this junction in the, the league are fully healthy, but they're going to be knocked up at, at some very important positions for them. So this is the time that I think the 49ers need to pounce on a short week where these guys aren't going to be able to get healthy. The 49ers are clicking um, in all aspects right now. They're, 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 win they're, they're coming off of a two game winning streak, both dominant victories. Seattle has been up and down, right? Even the victories that they've gotten haven't been dominant, Rohan. They've been gutting it out, close victories and stuff like that. There's always the case of divisional games. They're always close. You never know really what to expect in them because these teams know each other so well. But if you're just looking at momentum, you're looking at roster, you're looking at health, this should be a very dominant victory for the 49ers because I just think they have way too much for the for Seattle to to contend with, especially when they're not at full strength. Yeah, I think you bring up good points. Injuries are an issue. I think Kenneth Walker is on his way to IR. Geno Smith had an elbow injury. I mean, he came back on that last drive and did not look like he had an injury. So I think that that's something. But, I mean, regardless, it was important enough that it set him out for a portion of that game. But no, Ken Walker is going to be important because Seattle, right, they're, they're an offense that likes to be balanced. They're an offense that likes to run the football. They have been pretty successful this year in running the football. Walker has been as well, but Zach Charbonnet, he's been good, averaging nearly five yards a carry. So it seems like, you know, they're going to rely on Charbonnet a lot more in this one. Um, obviously, the rookie, he didn't have as efficient of a game this last week when he had the most uh, carries he's had, only 47 yards on 15, to, uh, 15 rushes. So, you know, the 49ers, they're going to look to shut down the run because it makes Seattle one-dimensional. From there, I think that they'll have a little more success. But the 49ers, they faced the Seahawks team before. Their strategy is, you know, winning the game in space because Seattle's going to try and get the ball out quickly, try and put Geno Smith not as, uh, you know, not under pressure as much. So get the ball out quickly. That means the 49ers, you're going to have to tackle. You're going to have to defend screens well. You're going to have to tackle, and you're going to have to play good run defense because that makes Seattle one-sided offensively against Seattle's defense. I mean, Seattle has made a couple of improvements right to their defense. They've looked to add a couple of key pieces. You talk about in the offseason, they added Draymond Jones um, from the Denver Broncos into the fold. Jones has been, you know, he's been a guy, but the, the, the guy who's really broken out is uh, Boye Mafe. He's a guy who I really liked in the draft last year, second-year player, outside linebacker, seven sacks on the year. So Seattle, you know, they got a somewhat formidable pass rush, Jaron Jer uh, Reed. Not Jaron. Jaron Reed, though, uh, defensive tackle. 49ers, they struggle with good defensive tackles, especially if you're having some issues on the interior with injuries. That's going to be something to watch. Jaron Reed's a pretty solid defensive tackle there in Seattle. So I think that there are a couple of intriguing factors in this one. But they I have some really good corners, too, really good young corners, too. So, you know, yeah. um, that are that are guys that like to jump routes and things like that. So definitely need to be a ball security game for Purdy because, you know, he you know if he – make some mental errors that, that could definitely be interceptions and turnovers from this defense. So I agree with you. It's not something that the a game that the 49ers should overlook and I'm sure they're not, but it is a game that I think that they should be favored. I think the line that I saw is they're like a touchdown favorite in this game, even though it's in Seattle. So they just have to come out and, and play the style of ball. I think if they win the turnover battle play, you know, complimentary football, it should be uh you know, a, a two-score kind of victory for them, Rohan. Um, but they have to execute. They can't just hope hope and wish that it, it ends up that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a divisional game. It's clearly one that has importance to both teams. And the 49ers, I think they'll be facing some extra pressure because if you look at the standings right now, with the way that the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles just won, 49ers, you know, they got some ground to make up. They've got two full games to make up. And, I mean, that just makes that week 13, yeah, week 13 game against Philly even more important. You got a lot on your minds right now. The 49ers, though, can't overlook the Seahawks. This is going to be an important divisional game. They got to pull out on a short week. 
but some injury news. I agree. And, um, you know, they have to win the games that they're favored in and uh, to, to get that number one spot. I think this season you can see how hard the Eagles are playing for that number one spot. You know, Detroit seems to have the easiest schedule of the three teams that could possibly get that, you know, with the 49ers being the third team there. So they have to take care of business in the NFC West. You know, we, we thought that they had the potential to sweep um, the division. I think that the Eagles is the toughest matchup for them in the division. So they go out and they, you know, flex their muscles against Seattle this game. It'll, uh, it'll be a big victory for them, even though Seattle could be shorthanded. But to me, uh, I think, you know, I think that they will pull it out and I think they need to. And ultimately, like I said, even more than the victory, Rohan, I'm looking for I'm looking for progress, right? We, we obviously are going to see how Jair Brown plays, especially against a really good receiving core with a, with a quarterback that has a pretty decent deep ball. You know, he's going to probably try to take advantage of Jair Brown being back there. Um, can Ambry Thomas hold, hold up, right? He's going to be tested on those nickel packages against, you know, a guy like Tyler Lockett or a guy like um, DK Metcalf, you know, um, all of those, it's going to be a game where we still have to see if these young guys are going to continue to perform the way that they've been performing. I agree. I got a quick hitter for you because we see this question in the chat. Chase Young. Now, Chase Young's had a pretty solid two games, you know, a couple of sacks, good amount of pressures. Do you believe the 49ers should re-sign Chase Young in the offseason, given how impactful he's been so far? Absolutely. I don't know if you necessarily re-sign him to like a huge deal. I think maybe he would probably be interested in maybe like a one-year, one-year kind of deal where he could make good money but still have the opportunity to get back into, um, get back into the fold. But I wouldn't be against signing him long term because look, Armstead is going to be, you know, is on his way out. You know, Hargrave, I think you got a couple more years on him, but I doubt he's getting another contract from the 49ers because he's going to be in his mid-30s by that time. If you can, uh, you know, Chase Young is still young. He's younger than Bosa, right? And I don't, and I think this is going to be the cheapest you could get him because even though he has the talent to be really, really good, Rohan, his performance hasn't necessarily lived up to that contract yet. So if you could sign him long-term, you're going to sign him based off of where his production is right now. And I think that's one of those contracts where he's going to outplay that contract, kind of like how Dre Greenlaw, you got him cheaper, and now he's like even playing more. That's, that deal as year after year looks like more and more of a steal. I think Chase Young could be the same type of player where even though it might sound like, okay, it's a lot of money, it'll probably be a steal two years, three years into that deal because you're not paying him top defensive uh, defensive end money because he hasn't warranted that. So I think it would be great if they could sign him long-term, but realistically, I think it it, it, it would make sense for both parties if they sign him on like a, a, a shorter deal for Chase Young really to uh, showcase himself a full season with the 49ers and, and then get like that big money, you know, after that year. I'm also with you. I'm on the proponent that the 49ers should look to resign Chase Young. Cost is important. I don't think, though, if I'm being honest, it would be a one-year deal. I think Young would look for a multi-year deal for financial security, but I also think the Niners would not look for a one-year deal because the reason you like multi-year deals is that you can push money, in the, you know, uh, you can backload the deal, and you might not have enough cap space to be able to afford 15 to 20 million straight up next year on a one-year deal. And so, I would look for probably a multi-year deal with Chase Young, try and secure him because you know he's going to be good. It seems like his motor is back and all the you know all the concerns that people had with him. seems like those have kind of brushed out of the way once he's reached San Francisco. Probably look to re-sign Chase Young, multi-year deal, but price is obviously going to be the big sticking point in that argument. And I think it's going to be more from his side than the 49ers side because, like I said, I think if you can get a guy of his talent for a $15 million a year, Rohan, that's a steal in year yeah. year two, year three, you know, like, and I don't think he could really demand more than, you know, 15 to 18 million, you know, probably get him on one of those Eric Armstead, Eric Armstead type deals that they, they got him on. Um, yeah. I mean, 
it's kind I mean, of if you like can get that, you know that's 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 what you want because if you're talking about 15 to 18 million you know that's probably in the 15 to 20 range like daniel hunter makes 17 million a year shaq barrett makes 17 million dollars a year guys like this carl lawson 15 you know if you're getting that type of price for a guy like chase young who you believe is going to flourish like he has in the last two weeks in your system it's a good deal for a guy who's not as young as him too but it, it's also realistic, wouldn't you say? I know you're better at, at numbers and understanding where players are. Where, what do you think, based off of, you know, he, he doesn't have years and years of production. It's more just kind of banking on his upside, even though this season he's he's having a pretty good season numbers-wise. He'll probably um, end up with double-digit sacks. Like, I mean, but having just one good year, I don't think warrants, like, anything close to – obviously, we're not nowhere close to a Bosa deal, but – even if he's looking for maybe like 22, 25 million, I don't think that his numbers can really warrant that. I don't know how many teams around the league would be willing to give him based off of what his production has been. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be 22 or 25 million. I, I would say that the ceiling probably settles around 20 million um, a year. But I also think that the production he'll have with the 49ers will boost his value. And we've seen how free agency works in the past where contracts get overinflated. If they're dealt in free agency, where really there's several teams rather than just one team kind of vying for that contract, that's where you'll see contracts getting inflated. And so that's where I think some of the inflation could play in Young's favor. We'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I, I'd hope, you know, I think it, it, it'd probably cap around $20 million, but I could see $20 million for Young occurring. Someone offering 360 or 480 or something like that potentially. Obviously guaranteed money and all that plays into factor, and that's really ultimately how contracts go. But – I could see twenty million probably being the ceiling somewhere around there. Would you do that if you're a 49ers? Uh truly depends on the guaranteed money because if they can get, you know, if they have flexibility in the contract to where not that it doesn't work, but where if they need flexibility in the future, I, I think that you'd consider it. But in a way, I don't expect Arc Armstead to have as big of a cap. I don't I, I I'm not saying that I believe the 49ers will move off him. He could be a 49er for life type of guy. But I don't expect his cap it to be as high for you know the foreseeable future. I think that his cap it will lower on his next contract. And so, in a way, the money that you're diverting to Armstead now, in the future, you could divert to Chase Young while having Armstead take up a lower amount of the cap space. And you're set at the end positions for you're set at defensive line, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least at the edge positions, because obviously Hargrave's a little bit older. Armstead you're assuming his play will probably fall off as well. So you'll need to replace those. But, you know, even a guy like Kinlaw has been playing better. and You're going to get him cheap if he, you know, nobody's going to give him big money. So you might be able to bring him back cheap. So bringing back Chase Young, the more we're talking about it, Rohan, it might be number two priority behind Ayuk when it's all said and done, because I think it gives you a lot of uh, maneuverability when it comes to the rest of the defensive line. And you're hoping it can come for cheap, given the way that you know the last year and a half or so with the injuries and stuff have been. You're hoping it can become for cheap. If you can get Chase Young on a three-year, forty-five million dollar deal, that's going to be worth it for sure for the 49ers. Love it, man. Love it. But Sunil, we covered a lot in this show. I mean, we talked about Ayuk, we talked about Ufango, we talked about the Bucks, we talked about a lot, a lot of different things, important content. Appreciate you a lot. You know, we've done a show, haven't done a show in a while, but this one was definitely fun. Any last comments though before we head on out? Yeah, just want to wish, you know, thanks for everybody in the chat section for keeping it lit. Um, want to wish everybody a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Whomever you're spending with, friends, family, or work, whatever it is, be safe. Um, you know, hopefully you get some good food in your system. Remember all the reasons why you're thankful. Um, you know, obviously. We're hoping for a big victory for the 49ers to be thankful for as well. But just want to wish everybody safe, happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving. And, you know, we'll talk again very, very soon. Yes, sir. You heard it from here. And I want you, Sunil, because we haven't done it in a minute, to lead us out. Ooh, stay safe, stay hydrated, and we'll speak again very, very soon. There you go. We'll see you guys soon.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.